Welcome to Startup Build, the show where we discuss what it's like to build a tech startup and a startup ecosystem in a small city. I'm Mike Wolsfeld, our host is Dan Gold, and joining him today is Alicia Soulier. Just like the bar industry, so, uh, salons are unable to effectively record the cost of free pouring hair color. So it's no wonder that these salons have an eight out of 10 failure rate. As a former salon owner myself, I created an app that calculates that exact cost to ensure that every single color is always paid for. In this episode, we talk about going from salon owner to tech entrepreneur scaling internationally and everything in between. Welcome to Startup Though. So here's where I'd like to start. How did you get interested in this industry in the first place? And what took you from salon owner to uh, this startup world? Um, you know, I think as a young girl, I always was fascinated about hair. So it was natural that that was my path where I was going to head to. Um, and what I noticed um, early on was I had that natural kind of tendency to make things better and make things more efficient. And so I saw a lot of the efficiencies within a salon and very quickly I grew a phenomenal salon. It's been great. But again, like there was one area I couldn't control. It was the color bar. And that really kind of sparked my, you know, I guess entrepreneurialism to like make change and make it something different. And um, it was probably about a year and a half ago, actually, I was doing one of my customers hair and she was like, did you ever think more about that color idea you had? And at the time, um, I had thought about making a, a massive machine. And, you know, as I was telling her, I said, yeah, I thought about it, but there's just no way that I can make a machine and ship it all over the world and have maintenance on it. Um, and I said, it's, it's like, it's not able to scale. And as soon as I said it, I was like, holy crap, <laughs> it's the scale. Um, so that was a year and a half ago and I had my light bulb moment and I knew that just something little had to change. It was something we were already doing every day. It just needed to be upgraded with technology and that would have been the scale. So that's hence why we made Salon Scale. So were there no providers at all in this space previously or was this a case of there were some solutions but they weren't adequate? Um, as of right now, there is no, um, there's no technically, there's no other solutions to this issue. Um, as I started the company, um, there was a, a company out of Nova Scotia, actually, that uh, it kind of is in this area as well. Um, but they're kind of tackling a little bit more inventory management, whereas I'm, I'm, I'm trying to tackle the pain, which is how much does it cost? And let's make sure it's always paid for. What was, what was the crunch point for you when you had that aha moment of, holy, whatever, um, I can do this, I can scale it. What was the next step? Because you, you've said, hey, here's something that needs to be solved. I don't think I'm going to do it. I, 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 I'm not sure, dot, dot, dot. Now I can do it. What was the I'm, I'm not sure or the I can't, so I'm not sure to yes, I can. What was that journey? I think, you know, one of the things I would say about myself is I'm definitely a massive risk taker. I'm not afraid to do that. And I knew that I had a very, very small window here to make a choice. And my choice was that I was going to climb Mount Everest with this product and, uh, and go for it, knowing that I was a non-tech founder, knew nothing about technology. Um, 
but I knew that this is something that I wanted to put my face and my name on and be able to help, you know, help make sure that uh, other salons don't ever have to have the issues that I had. So is this tied to specific hair color products or is it um, any bar does a uh, color bar does a, a pre-way of everything or starts with a full bottle and then they can calculate it down regardless of manufacturer of product? Yeah, we actually work with every color line in the world. So if there's a product that has a weight and a cost, we can uh, add it into our app and tell you what it's going to cost per application. So where else can you see this scaling beyond? Because I'm looking at this, I'm thinking, I know painters and decorators that would love this. Can you scale it up a bit? Absolutely. I think, um, you know, when we think of the wide range of what we can kind of enter other industries with, there's food, there's bars as well. Um, there's, uh, you know, the medical industry, there's a ton of different uh, avenues. And a lot of people actually have approached me on that. Um, I think our technology is actually very, very simple. And as weird as it can say, I like to kind of compare it to like radar. So, you know, when radar came out, it was something that the cops used and now it's in every single door and restaurants and all over the place. And I really feel like our technology, the simplicity of what we do is kind of like radar, um, but it's just a weight management to cost. And it can be, you know, really implemented in many, many different industries. If you had a piece of advice for, for someone else who's sat in a job who is thinking, well, I've got this kind of idea, I think it could be a thing, but I'm not sure. What did you, what did you do to test the idea? What, what's that piece that you can say to them to go, hey, try these little steps? I think no matter what, you're always going to have um, you're going to have something to take away. So whether, you know, it's a huge success or a learning opportunity, there's still an opportunity there. So no matter what it is, I think in life, when you have that, that thought, that idea that I should do something, that means you're trying to push yourself to go forward. And I think you, uh, you should take that risk because you'll learn a lot more about yourself. And if that venture didn't work out, at least you'll have the skills from that to learn how to build something that will be. And coming from a non-tech background or, or the technology side of it must have been, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but was it the case that you looked at it and went, I know that this is how I need it to work, but I need someone to work on this with me to be able to do those fine details on the technical side? Um, yeah, like <laughs> when I first started, I literally thought like we could make it and put it in the app store and then like, woo, we're rich, like it's done. But I, I actually had no clue um, everything that was involved in building a, a tech startup. Um, so I'm very fortunate to have things like Colabs and a lot of mentors around me that helped me along the way. But yeah, I would say that um, I'm very, very fortunate. I feel like um, our, our, the tech sector itself has incredible tools to really help with the communication processes from like a very creative mindset to a more technical mindset. So using prototyping tools is a wonderful way to have a non-tech founder understand the simple processes um, in building technology. And that's, that's really our secret sauce is, is we work with a lot of prototyping tools to make sure that I understand what's going on behind the scenes. And I've always found it's case that if I understand something from a non-technical point of view, someone else can understand it. Because if it's in plain language for me, it's in plain language for them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So how 
what was the when did you launch when what was the launch date when was the date you went okay salon you're just gonna have to wait for a bit i'm off doing this what was the date of that so june 8th 2018 was the day that we actually launched our product um in both the app stores okay and what was how did you first measure kind of a key stage of going hey we've hit this goal or was it you know uh, 10 15 20 downloads or was it the inquiries how did you measure those those um little goals so what we did was we did a local launch so um the plan was to go around all of Saskatchewan and, and invite every single salon in Saskatchewan to our launch party. Um, and that was kind of going to be more of an, our like alpha testing group. So we originally we had a, a about five salons that were our beta group. And once we knew the, the glitches and we had a good MVP, we were ready to go to an alpha market. And so actually me and our operations officer drove all around Saskatchewan and handed out invitations. <laughs> and um, we had a great turnout. We had uh, about 120 people that showed up at our launch party. Um, and um, 44 of them were from salons, I believe. And um, of them, we had like a 95% conversion of them that switched over to use our product. And that was really the, the, the turning of the wheel, I guess we'll say, um, that started the whole thing. So we really did a launch in Saskatchewan first, yeah. And, and from Saskatchewan, obviously Saskatchewan, nail your local market first or nail, nail your target market first. After Saskatchewan, where did you uh, draw the next boxes going, hey, we're going to target there? So we headed to um, Alberta next and we specifically went to Calgary. Uh, we made a, a partnership with a distributor in Calgary that handles actually um, Calgary, Manitoba, and Saskatchewan. So we went to their main headquarters and did another launch party there. And I believe that was somewhere in July. So it was like one month after the next we were launching, but we went there and there was another 40 uh, guests that showed up. And again, we had high conversions, 97% um, I think converted at Calgary. Um, so it was an, another incredible start. And the and after the prairies where's where does where is the limit for you for for scaling sensibly rather than going world domination or maybe it is maybe it is world domination right now let's go for it well i mean of course it's always going to be world domination <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, so we're very fortunate. We have um, US guests uh, that are on our platform already. So we have uh, predominantly our customers are in California. Um, we got some in Utah and um, all over a few different states as well. So we do have 23% of our customers are coming from the US right now. Um, we've had interest in uh, other countries like uh, the UK and um, as well as Australia and um, we have a we actually have a massive distributor in Australia that deals with forty thousand salons, and we will be heading there in April to launch to their their network. Wow, that's <laughs> that. Where's your mind at? Where's your head at when you think you know what? X number of months ago, I was doing this, then this, then this, then this. Where's where as a as a human being? Where do you draw your um, sense of reality because sometimes we can get very caught up or we can get really engrossed in this is next this is what we're doing where's what's where's that line for you i think 
because I'm surrounded by so many people that we all are working together, it keeps you really grounded. So I, I think you really are naive to think like, oh yeah, it's just this thing. And you don't realize how massive it really is. It's hard because we're not like, I'm not, I never um, tried to compare myself to others. I really am, am going to the mission behind our product. And that is making sure that no other salon owner has to feel the way I ever did and make sure that they can figure out how to charge properly and, and do whatever. But I think the secret is just being around a lot of uh, people that are focused makes you grounded and not get too caught up. Um, but when I do, like I felt like at Christmas time, when I took a step back and looked at it, it's kind of one of those like, it's really overwhelming almost to think like, holy crap, like, like you, you can almost feel that energy. And it's, it's a weird, I can feel this thing getting very, very massive quickly. So I just need, I needed to make sure I had the right mentors and the people in my ring to be there as, um, as we keep growing on the speed that we're, we're growing. Is something I've heard from a lot of founders is that it's quite addictive, that buzz that comes from the next thing you've just achieved. And it's not going, this is our goal, because when you get into that phase of going, hey, we're, we're a fast growth organization, um, you, it's actually a case of each week or each month, something turns up an email, it's uh, sales figures or another distributor or another, another meeting, a launch party, whatever it is, and it becomes quite an addictive rush to go for okay well i've got this but the next thing and that's why the grounding piece is so incredibly important because having having uh, those people around it is incredibly important to avoid the the burnout and the drive for it's important to have drive but it's very important also to be um grounded and and you've absolutely got that great group around you i'm um, talking of the group and we're obviously a very saskatchewan based production um were they connected with you through your own community did they come via um via via the uh, incubator here uh, how how did how did your mentorship and support network come to you so I feel like um, I handled our startup a little different than others. Um, we had a very strong like sales and marketing and organization support to start off. And then we hired slowly on our development, hence because I am non-technical. So I really didn't know what I was hiring for when I first started. Um, but we, and we really had an incredible uh, first start. So it was me and my husband that really started a lot of this together. Um, and then very quickly we hired some other people. Um, and one of those people was Kim Baduke. Um, and Kim actually was the very first employee I ever hired at my very first business. <laughs> and um, uh, she actually has worked at every single company I started. And the whole time she was going to become a nurse and um, she actually is an RN and I about seven months ago sat down with her and said you know I'm gonna give you this opportunity like do you want to jump on the ship with me and she said yes and she's been killing it since then so I think it's we have a lot of people that like we have this our whole lives together um, and then we through collabs that's how we got our um, developers was really just um, through the community and finding them that way and it was like an incredible opportunity because again I would have not known where to start so it was great to find the rest of our team who are all extremely incredible and powerful at what they do. So you mentioned that you work with your husband. Yes. <laughs> uh, 
the dynamic of working with a loved one or loved ones when it's a family business can be uh, a, cha- a challenge at times because of drawing the line between uh, what is uh, that that constant leakage of work stuff, work conversations into the evening, into the first thing you get up in the morning because they totally understand and get what the conversations are about. You don't have that off time unless there's discipline around it. How do you manage... Uh, making sure that your conversations aren't always about business. <laughs> well, <laughs> it takes a step, feels slightly awkward. Let me tell you, um, <laughs> it is it is very hard and it's always a struggle. I think, you know, Ryan and I have been married for 10 years and of the 10 years, we've owned a business for six of the 10 years. Um, and we're... I think he's used to my craziness. And like, he always said that his um, business card should always read taming the crazy. Cause that's, <laughs> that's what he basically does. Um, but I feel like we have just this crazy work um, life kind of balance together. And we really feed on each other and make sure that we're always supporting each other, no matter what it is. Um, but I always explain, it's like kind of like wearing hats. Like when we're with the kids, we make sure we put the kids hats on the parent hat. And then when we're at work, we have work hat on. And when we're out for a dinner, we try to put relationship hat on. And sometimes we have to call each other out on it and make sure we turn those phones off and and do that. But a lot of times we have to get out the work conversations first before we get to to asking about how we really are. One of the things that I found from um, one of the innovators and one of the startups that I was dealing with um, a little while ago was that uh, they were a husband and wife team and the wife was the lead on the project, the husband absolutely accepted within their dynamics. She's the boss and he, he helped and supported her. Um, one of the things that he was absolutely, if you like, in charge of, was um, anytime there was a date night, and they organized their date nights uh, every two weeks on a Wednesday because then they could arrange the kids and the grandparents and everything around it. And it, it w- he would arrange a surprise. It would be a different place. She wouldn't know where they're going. She knew that he would not embarrass her in any way or get her to do something she didn't want to. But they would always regularly have these effectively time out from anything else apart from relationship. And I feel that's super healthy. Oh yeah, I I could if you could give me that number of that person to tell my husband to set up <laughs> the date, that'd be great. That'd be awesome. But <laughs> Ryan, Ryan, it's official. You have to do it. You can't hide in the room at the back of the shop. You have to go and organize a date night. I saw you through. I saw you peeking around the corner. Um, uh, <laughs> so something that I'm intrigued by. Yeah. A number of startups, when you start and you're in that, that incubation stage and you're alpha testing before beta, and you've got that, that um, marketing uh, side of it. And this is interesting for me because I, you know, I come from the Marcoms world. Uh, when you start up yourself, you're in the position of going out there, being the champion, being the f- flag waver, etc. At what point... Do you say, hey, I need help with this. I need someone else to go out and fly the flag for us. And more importantly, at what point can you 
get that feeling and maybe you're already there get that feeling that you can trust someone else to be the the brand advocate for you to go out and create that uh, new biz opportunity um that's actually a, a really good question because i feel like my first couple companies i had that i mentality well i'll just do it and like i can do this and it was really hard to grow past that and the secret is is when you are forced to have to do it you have to let go so i'm very fortunate that our company is growing really really quickly so like i can't control certain things and so i had i was forced into having others to help and that may not be the same case in a lot of people's startups because a lot of times you know there's a lot longer before they're getting revenue to be able to support the payments of of other people but at the same time I also want to say you have to learn how to really take a risk and the sooner you can as a leader distance yourself and hire people that are smarter than you the faster and the stronger you'll always be if, if you don't trust that others can do that job better than you you will always be kind of like you'll kind of be like the anchor in that business holding everybody back instead of letting people go forward do you think it was a benefit having launched you know, your own businesses previously, your own enterprises that you understood um, how to operate a business aside from, I've come up with something great. And so you've got these two worlds, you're experienced in the forming an organization, running a business, uh, communicating about it, getting people uh, in, selling the message and uh, helping them understand, uh, identify their roadblocks so that you can get them across the line if you take it that way. And then separately, you've had that separation to go, do you know what? I know how to do that bit. Now let's look at what I actually want to deliver. Yes. Yeah. I feel like, you know, a product of every single job I've had has like accumulated to be in this position right now. And I truly feel like I had to go through all those things. And when I started the salon, you know, I had to, I had to understand the pain of a salon owner to sell the product today. Um, I had to work with customers to know how the stylist working in the salon would like our product. Um, and then a couple of years after I owned the salon, I started a distribution company. So I was actually selling hair tools across Canada and, um, I had that company for about two years and sold that because I realized how much I hate shipping <laughs> and um, dealing with distribution is not always fun. But what I learned about that was a lot of things like um, a lot of things that a distribution center that's going to deal with and how to really think larger scale. And, you know, when you're, when you're, trying to sign up one salon at a time, I mean, that's going to take you a while. When I was selling tools, I was trying to find more massive centers to sell to. So it made more use of my time. And all those little things kind of helped me for salon scale because I now knew how to build a team. I knew how to really figure out distribution. I had a lot of connections through the industry from distribution to salons. Um, and it really just kind of all lined up to really get me ready for, for, salon scale name one thing that you miss from running a salon full-time <laughs> i think this the the people that came to me all my clients um i miss them absolutely dearly it's incredible to be able to have someone sit in your chair and have a really crappy day and then make them feel insanely awesome that is the one thing i think i miss the most about running the salon I knew that would be your answer and I'm so <laughs> glad. I'm so glad because to me, what, I, what I've learned from, one of the things my parents said to me, um, 
apart from go into IT rather than into media, it's a far stronger industry and everyone uses computers. They were right. Then I ended up in media. Um, <laughs> one, of, one of the things that I learned was that having worked in retail, solving people's problems and seeing them turn from having a bad experience or a, something that's causing them stress to something that brings them pleasure or, or joy, maybe not in what I was doing per se, but something that took them on that journey. And as soon as I left retail, firstly, I appreciated handling money and people and problems and problem solving and so much more and how to listen. Um, but when I went into broadcasting, suddenly I'm in a studio, I'm in a space where it's, it's me in a cupboard talking to, you know, thousands and thousands of people, but I'm sat in a cupboard talking to myself effectively. And it was such a change in mindset. Um, how important to you, how important to you is it when you have that opportunity to bring people together, whether it's people that you uh, work with or people who you supply, having gatherings of some sort to uh, make sure that the relationships are as enriched as they can be? Like, I would say that's at the top of the list. Um, that's one of the things I always said in, our, in my life, there's always the three C's, which is communication, conflict is one of them, and um, confidence. And I know people challenge me on the conflict things all the time, but when you actually have human relationships and you grow this communication, um, you have a true understanding of how to grow together. Um, and it grows a, a ton of uh, understanding for each other. What I find is that the more that you have that connection and you get to talk openly, and it, it creates energy. It creates like this zest in your company and people just feed off each other. So you really, you know, it comes down to the simple word that says family. You really want to create a family and um, that ensures that no matter how fast you're growing, that every single person on your team is going to feel connected to the thing that you started. And that's kind of where you know, why I say it's really important. It's important to take five minutes to make sure someone's okay on your team to uh, someone, some customer that needs a, a, a little bit more attention. It's important to pay attention to those details. Those are little gifts that will allow you to have a stronger communicative force within your organization. And as we get towards the end of recording this episode of Startup Bill, I've got a couple of questions. Uh, firstly, is Saskatchewan important to you beyond being a human being and loving it around here, but is it important to your organization being based here or is it an operation where if, you know, some big firm somewhere in the world says, Hey, here's a ton of cash, but we need you to relocate to X big center. Is that an internal war that you'd have to really, really spend time thinking about? Um, I feel like we have a ton of perks in Saskatchewan um, and we have an opportunity to really help inspire others to grow. And as well for myself personally, I have, you know, two children and a life here. So to think of packing myself up and doing that, um, it's hard to really say what happens. And ultimately it comes down to the mission of salon scale. And that is to really save one salon at a time. And so 
I would have to answer that, that if it was going to save more salons, then I would have to really think about the mission behind our brand and our, our company. Um, but most likely, I still would love to help inspire and lead and grow Saskatchewan and continue putting it on the map just like everybody else and, and saying that you can do I know you can do it from here. Now with technology, you can do it. Uh, but you just never know the circumstances that might come in the future. Okay, it was a trick question to get you to advocate for Saskatchewan. Clearly, you found me out. Um, I'd love to give people the opportunity to get in touch with you to learn more. How could they do that? So um, our handles are at Salon Scale, of course. And then mine personal is Alicia M. Soulier. And yeah, all, it's all the same. Alicia M. Soulier and Salon Scale. You can get a hold of me there. Alicia, thank you so much for joining us on Startupville. Thank you so much for having me. Startupville is brought to you by Innovation Place, helping grow the tech sector in Saskatchewan, Canada, and produced in partnership with Martin Charlton Communications at WeTellYourStories.ca. Our show is produced by me, Mike Wolsfeld, and our host, Dan Gold. Our theme music is from GG Riggs and Reactor Productions. Learn more about us and our guests at innovationplace.com slash startupville or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Startupville Pod. See you next time on Startupville.